Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about a new survey predicting more frequent episodes of extreme weather in Hong Kong over the next two to three decades. The territory recorded its hottest summer this year since records began in 1884 and was also hit by super typhoon Saula and record-breaking rainfall in September. According to the study conducted jointly by three universities, the Chinese U, HKU and HKUST, there'll be a significant increase in the amount of rainfall by the middle of this century, which will lead to more landslides and flooding. It also says uh, more hot weather, particularly hot nights, will become a feature as well as talking to specialists about the climate science involved. We'll also be looking at what we can do as individuals to protect our health and safety and what effect such conditions may have at the less well-off end of society. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message uh, on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. After 9.45, we'll find out more about fake social media accounts posing as travel agencies offering fraudulent deals online. <clears throat> But joining us now for our main uh, topic, we have on the line uh, Professor Jimmy Fung, who's a chair professor at the Department of Mathematics and uh, Division of Environment and Sustainability. That's at Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, one of the three universities involved in the study. Good morning to you. Good morning. And also on the line is uh, Jeff uh, Rotemeyer, who's uh, founder of Impact Hong Kong, which is uh, an NGO uh, which works um, largely with homeless people. Uh, good morning, Jeff Rotemeyer. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks for joining us. Um, and after uh, 9.30, we'll be joined uh, by another guest as well. Um, but right now, uh, Professor Fong, um, could we just ask you a little bit about uh, the process that you went to, the uh, the modelling, the figures that you used, the calculations that you used in working out uh, these predictions? Okay, so the study, we use a model called WOF weather research forecast model, which is a regional forecast uh, model. And we base on the S, uh, PCC report uh, using the uh, uh, 4.5 uh, scenario and uh, downscaling into Hong Kong, uh, down to one kilometer resolution. And we have done a simulation uh, in uh, recent year from uh, 2010 to 2020 to validate our model first to see whether our current model actually we, we produce the observed result. And then subsequently, we uh, run the, the model again uh, based on the uh, future climate condition uh, for two, uh, from 2040 to uh, 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 2049. And then it's another 10 years uh, from uh, 2090 uh, to 2099. Uh, we done the simulation hour by hour, so the whole simulation take about uh, six months to complete, and subsequently uh, we analyze the result and uh, obtain the uh, the result uh, you mentioned earlier. Right. So, um, so what, what, one of your major findings, uh, Professor Fong, is that uh, we'll have hotter nights. Uh, can you explain more about this, and what what does it mean by hot nights? 
Well,、uh, according to HKO definition, hot night is、uh, when the temperature is consistently above twenty-eight、uh, degree during the light time. So hot night is typically is、uh, for especially for vulnerable group of people.、Uh, for those people without air conditioning, they would have. Uh, Uh, suffer from dehydration and and heart heart attack and so on, and、uh, not only the、uh, the number of hot nights is uh, uh is keep increasing、uh, from the 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 current average、uh, we have about forty two days、uh, annually uh, to forty、uh, eight days uh, uh, about forty year later. The more alarming is the duration of the、uh, hot night. Uh, currently, the longest duration of hot night is eight days,、uh, and then by 2040,、uh, the duration of the hot night is uh, uh, increased to uh, maximum ten days. Now, you you don't think oh, it's only increased by two days? It may not be that alarming. But however, duration of the hot night is uh, is uh, impact to all people is.、Uh, Uh, is exponential increase. For example, the first light you may only have about,、uh, say, five pop, five people uh, uh, get struck, and then the second day maybe maybe forty, and then the third day maybe four hundred, the、uh, the fourth day and then maybe you know two thousand, and it's sort of not linear increasing. So, so have that extra two days, the impact to the public health would be drastically alarming. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's、uh, bring in、uh, Jeff Ropemayer, founder of Impact Hong Kong.、Um, <clears throat> what、uh, differences have you noticed、uh, in、uh, recent years,、uh, which have been experienced、uh, by the people that you work with in terms of、uh, of the climate, you know, increasing number of hot nights and so on. Yeah, thanks. I know with、um, you know the extreme weather in Hong Kong, you know it makes it extra difficult for our friends, you know, experiencing homelessness outside. You know, if you look at the recent typhoons and, and the black rain, you know, a lot of our friends outside、um, are really, really struggling with their mental health. And you know, you don't check yourself into a hospital or into shelter if you don't care about your health. And you know, our friends outside really just stay there, even though the government are providing emergency shelters only on those nights where there's a hot weather warning or typhoon. You know, our friends outside are are typically just staying outside in the elements.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, yeah, I remember after the black rain just quite recently, you know, going out in the morning after and just seeing people just soaked, you know, just very very wet. So we are dealing with a mental health crisis, and it is very concerning, you know, to hear this type of、uh, yeah data coming forward.、Mm. Yeah, I mean, you refer to that incident—the、uh, very heavy rain that we had uh, earlier uh, in September, and a lot of flooding, and so on. I mean, I mean, what w- what did people do who don't have,、uh, you know, don't have a home of their own, and、uh, you know, were caught out in the weather? I mean, what what did they do during it and afterwards? Yeah, there are so few safe places to find shelter outside. You know, pretty much every every space where there's a pedestrian walkway or a Or a highway, you know, anywhere somebody could seek shelter outside.、Um, you're seeing a lot of hostile architecture, fenced-off areas, so it's very difficult to find any spaces. So during typhoons and、um, you know, black rainstorms like that, you know, a lot of our friends they they're going into public toilets, they're going into factory buildings to sleep in stairwells,、um, 
you know, basically anywhere they can. Um, shopping malls, trying to sneak in, do anything really um, to try and find safe shelter. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an emergency every night. You know, mm-hmm. we are dealing with quite a lot of death outside and people who have lost complete hope or belief in themselves. So, you know, what we try to do as an organization is get out, reach as many people as possible. And with the government strategies of eliminating spaces outside and pushing away people in pain, you know, it makes it very difficult for us to find, uh, find friends outside. So uh, it's both, isn't it? Uh, first of all, there aren't enough shelters uh, for these people. And secondly, um, because of their mental conditions, they don't want to be inside a shelter. Could we say that? You know, they don't want to be with people they don't know. Yeah, they don't see hope in the, in the offering of a shelter. You know, I have a lot of friends outside that know that we're providing rooms uh, and I have a lot of trust with these individuals, but they're not taking that. Uh, many people are not taking that. Now, if you or I uh, became homeless tonight, if we lost our job, we lost all our money, and we were outside and someone offered us a room for a month, um, you and I would definitely take that because we have belief that in taking that step into that room that it could result in something better. And we could take that step and we could take another step and we can get back on our feet again. And the people that we're meeting outside have just no belief in themselves or in that, in that option. Mm. So we're dealing with a community that needs an incredible amount of care. Okay, uh, we've got a a couple of comments from uh, listeners on our uh, Facebook. Um, This one from uh, Michael says, uh, why don't you ever get opposing views on your global agenda weather nonsense or even let callers with scientific information that the renowned Professor Ian Pilmer shares more indoctrination, less science? Uh, Question mark. Well, (laughs) we don't have a a global uh, agenda, uh, Michael, that's for sure. Um, And uh, scientists would tell you that the, uh, the overwhelming evidence is that the climate is changing uh, and, um, and you know, we need to do something about it. Uh, there's sort of you know, anecdotal evidence. Um, you know, people can see it for themselves. Henry, another listener, writes, uh, uh, the World Meteorological Organization has already said the extreme weather is the new normal. The Hong Kong Observatory website uh, tells us that October 2023, the temperature is 0.7 degrees higher than uh, the 30-year average. I remember in my school days back in the 1960s in October, we already changed into winter uniform. The 2022 Hong Kong weather statistics show the historical trend where the number of hot nights and days started to increase from around 1980 and the number of cold days started to decrease from around the mid-1970s. uh, Professor Fung, um, you were saying when uh, these, uh, this study was released that uh, one of the problems that we have, uh, certainly in terms of increased uh, rainfall, is the, uh, the, the limitation on uh, the ability to accurately uh, predict it. Um, how much of a problem is that going to cause us in the future? Well, the predictability of extreme rainfall is always baffling all these uh uh, atmospheric scientists. Uh, it is uh, so far up to this moment. I think nobody can predict in, in particular uh, the light, the uh, flat rainstorm happened in uh, uh, October 8th because that uh, we call in atmospheric condition is called very convective uh, uh, situation. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a convective a phenomenon caused the rainfall. Unlike in in typhoon, when typhoon coming, we we can see the typhoon eye very clearly, 
we can see the wing band very clearly from a very far away distance. So because that, we call Choi Fong I the wing band. Basically, it's intact. It's just translating uh, horizontally from one location to the lake. So as long as uh, the, the Hong Kong Observatory can predict the track accurately, uh, you can say they can sort of predict the rainstorm uh, fairly accurately. But when it comes to uh, convective uh, uh, rainstorm, because they are happen in a very in a very poetic behavior, suddenly it pop up there, suddenly pop up there. It's it's a little bit like a boiling water. When you see a boiling water, right? Some some bubble happen in there, some bubble happen in there. So when the atmosphere when it's convective phenomenon, it's a little bit like that. It's somewhat a chaotic phenomenon. A bubble will pop up from somewhere in one side of your pan, and another bubble will pop up in another side of the, 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 the pan in a very po- uh, uh, random manner. So in that case, we are basically in, in that situation. So that's why to predict a black wing storm as well as where it occurs is the uh, it's uh, extremely difficult to do, uh, even with the uh, very powerful computer uh, 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 up to now. Yeah. Right. Uh, Professor Fong, turning to another subject, uh, which is also included in your research, and that is uh, the urban heat island effect. Uh, you mentioned that um, based on the um, 10-year average in your calculations, by the 2040s, uh, there are several districts in Hong Kong which are hotter. Uh, than the rest, so um, districts like Tunmon and Sha Tin, uh, which is actually highly den- uh, you know, uh, very dense, densely populated. Uh, what does that mean? And um, you know, should the um, uh, should we think about planning uh, our buildings differently? Well, definitely, because uh, 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 well, hot temperature. Uh, uh, have two reasons. One is because of the concrete jungle. During the daytime, where the sun shining into the building, the concrete absorbs a lot of heat. And then during the light time, they slowly release it out back to the atmosphere. But, but however, when they release out, when the building is really have very tall building, so when they radiate out, instead of radiate out directly into the sky, so they are radiate out onto the adjacent building. So they are just refracting the energy within the street canyon. So that's why they are trapping the heat if our urban is really dense. So, so, so that's why now I hope the Hong Kong government will consider when they building a new town, uh, they are actually looking into sort of better ventilation because better ventilation not only can better vent, sort of uh, improve the wind environment, there's another way to release heat outside your urban environment. Another one is during the light time, they actually radiate out into our sky rather than they radiate out into our adjacent building, trap the heat inside our street canyon. Uh, Jeff Rotemeyer, is this something that you've noticed going around the districts that uh, certain areas uh, you know, uh, s- suffer from uh, uh, hot weather more than others? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, in Kowloon, you know, when you've got extreme heat, you know, in a lot of the areas, it's, it's very, very hot. So our friends, you know, typically in tunnels and parks, I mean, sometimes you'll go out on the street and you'll see, you know, a person in, in the extreme heat over 30 degrees who's in a, you know, in a vinyl tent mm-hmm. sealed up without any breathable air, and they're in that space hiding, you know, mm-hmm. or isolated. So it, it's, um, yeah, this, this heat is, is very concerning. That being said, winter months are the most concerning for our friends outside. It, you know, although it's not Canada cold where I'm from, but, you know, in the middle of the night, it does get to a temperature that is very, very difficult for our friends to handle. Um, and, yeah, as a charity, I think, you know, in listening to the, this type of data and, and, you know, the times are changing, we, we look at every night as emergencies. So as a charity, we need to really adapt. And at the moment, we're getting people into shelter typically between one to three days uh, after after they come into our center, uh, but I think as a as a charity, we're going to try and improve our model and have an emergency shelter and really try to make make it easier and more convenient for people to come in immediately at any time, any day. Hmm. Yes, and um, where where are these uh, people staying most of the time? I remember reading that um, they're usually Mong Kok and uh, Sham Shui Po. Um, underneath the flyovers, um, is it still, um, you know, uh, similar to, to what I said? Yeah, we're doing our we're doing our outreach uh, every week in 12 locations around Hong Kong. So out throughout Hong Kong Island, you know, mostly West Kowloon. Um, and we're helping at the moment uh, a little bit more than 500 unique individuals outside who are currently sleeping outside. That's how many people we're reaching each week um, on the streets. So it's very, very spread out. Um, but yeah, homelessness is really in every area. It's just very difficult to spot because it is, as I mentioned earlier, very, very challenging to find a safe place to actually lay down and have shelter. Uh, Professor Fung, um, you mentioned in the report that um, obviously the changing climate and how to deal with it in future is going to have uh, uh, implications for for policy. Um, I mean, uh, it was addressed in the chief executive's uh, uh, most recent policy address, um, mentioned um, uh, exploring ways to use big data, AI and other technology to improve risk assessment capabilities uh, in areas such as um, forecasts, weather forecasts and alerts, uh, flooding and landslide hazards and so on. Um, what, uh, what, what do you think of those, uh, those measures that were set out in the policy address? I think it's actually heading a, 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 a good direction mm. because a lot of the uh, advanced uh, cities, they would have so-called climate hazard map, actually telling certain area would be high risk of flooding, high risk of uh, of landslide, high risk of you know uh, extreme heat. So by sort of keeping out this so-called high risk sort of hazard map. Uh, under certain extreme weather conditions, at least you can warn certain people uh, uh, to be alert. Because in our very highly density city, it would be very difficult to mobile our 8 million people uh, uh, go to a shelter or something. But if we know there's a certain area have high risk of, say, landslide due to extreme rainfall, for the last few days, we may be able to evacuate a small group of people into shelters so that we can protect them. Because it doesn't matter you know, how much money the government is going to spend to improve our infrastructure. 
certain area of Hong Kong would definitely will have higher risk than the other part, depending on under what extreme weather condition. So the, the important thing is identify the risk, manage the risk. Mm. We, we, I don't think we can avoid this risk at all due to this uh, climate change. Mm. But we, we hope we can better manage the risk, minimize the casualty, minimize the damage. Right, right, Professor Fong, uh, normally yeah. what, what are the mitigation measures, um, you know, in uh, densely populated urban areas such as uh, uh, the central part of Kowloon, um, you know, the Mong Kok and Sham Po areas? Uh, you can talk about better ventilation in the new towns, uh, but um, in, in, you know, in a district already built 50, 60 years ago, what can we do um, as individuals? How can we make the district cooler? Wow. <laughs> well, one of one of the uh, the person I work with, uh, Professor Edward Ng, he is advocating. You know, uh, 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 even in, in in certain highly dense area, you can have a small park, have trees. For example, if if the if this old area, they are certain area can convert into a small park, even just one or two block area, that type of small park it will actually help to cool down the temperature quite a bit. Another one which uh, also in the press release conference, uh, uh, Professor also mentioned, uh, 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 for certain area, as I mentioned earlier, those vulnerable, if there's a vulnerable, large vulnerable group of people uh, suffer from extreme heat, such as some sort of area, we might have little have more sort of uh, shelter uh, which the government can plan. Instead of one district, uh, uh, one shelter, for some civil area, you might have about three or four shelters. So that during this extreme heat, uh, some of those vulnerable good people uh, uh, can go there to, uh, to cool down themselves. Uh, and these might be people living in, say, subdivided units uh, with no air conditioning. Yeah, yeah exactly, yes. Though these are a really vulnerable group of uh, uh, individuals, uh, uh, I think uh, our society is rich enough to uh, to uh, to uh, support them during uh, this uh, extreme weather. Um, yes, uh, Jeff Rotmeyer, what what could be a, a better situation uh, for these? Um uh, homeless people who, who now have to live on the streets, uh, surely building shelters. Uh, what other services uh, do they need and uh, support? Yeah, we have a completely holistic model from, you know, medical to counseling to major sports, sports and art and community, you know, program. Um, and also we help people find purpose. We've helped over over 60 friends off the streets into full-time employment. Uh, at the moment, Impact HK, a third of our staff actually used to experience homelessness. So, you know, we really believe strongly in a holistic model because, you know, each individual outside, like you and I, are completely different. And it's really the only way to do it. I think sometimes you have to go for some of the easy yeses uh, for friends outside because they've lost, uh, you know, belief in themselves and trust in society. So when you can offer them kind of a no strings attached, hey, here's a bed, if you'd like it, go for it. Um, no requirements in terms of you know, filling out surveys or applying for public housing or applying with the social welfare department, et cetera. You know, when you can get these easy yeses and it, it, it further, you know, allows them to get some rest 
better peace of mind, and then further in trust with our staff so that we can, you know, hopefully take another step forward. And I think we've got to kind of take that approach. You know, I think the investment of taking care of the environment is, is a no-brainer. I think it's a guaranteed win. Um, and just like uh, it's a guaranteed win to care for people. You know, it really comes down to affordability for us, whether we can open up, you know, more centers, because our model is definitely working. You know, we're seeing individuals every month, typically between 5 and 12 people, graduating from our programs, finding financial independence. So we know that it works. Um, and we really hope to, yeah, work with more people and collaborate further to just do more in the city and, and care for people. Okay. okay, all right. Well, thanks very much. Uh, that was uh, Jeff Rotemeyer, founder of Impact uh, Hong Kong, who uh, has to leave us now. Uh, Professor Fung, uh, please uh, stay with us. We're going to take a, a short break for a news summary and a couple of announcements. We'll be back in about uh, three minutes and we'll be joined uh, by another guest uh, after the break. A quick look at the weather. It's going to be fine and and uh, dry during the day. Uh, top, uh, the outlook, uh, uh, cloudier tomorrow, uh, warm during the day on Thursday. Temperatures will drop slightly in the latter part of this week. It's currently 22 degrees, humidity 61%. Now the news with Hayley Yip. Hong Kong will host its first forum at the United Nations Climate Talks to promote the city as the green and sustainable financial centre. The event will be co-hosted by the Financial Services Development Council and Friends of the Earth at the upcoming COP28 summit in Dubai. The Israeli army says that 11 hostages released by Hamas from Gaza are now in Israeli territory. In return, 33 Palestinian prisoners, including three women, have been freed by Israel. And South Africa has recorded its first significant fall in the number of people living with HIV. A study found that 12.7% of the population are infected with the virus that leads to AIDS. That's down from 14% five years ago. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. People who are patriotic and have an affection for Hong Kong and who are capable and aspire to serve can make our community better. The 2023 District Council Ordinary Election is on December 10th. Remember to bring your identity card and vote for your preferred candidate. Let's build a nice and harmonious community together. Cast your vote at DC Election for a better community. The 2023 District Council Ordinary Election will be held on December 10th. If electors who use a wheelchair or have mobility difficulty find the polling station shown on the map attached to the poll card difficult to access, they can apply for reallocation to another polling station by calling 2891-1001 by December 5th. If situation allows, the registration and electoral office will arrange for the rehab bus service to take them to and from polling stations on request. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And we're continuing our discussion on our main topic this morning, uh, which is a joint university report uh, uh, predicting uh, more extreme uh, weather as we go uh, forward uh, in this century. And uh, particularly in the uh, 2040s. Um, we, we have with us Professor Jimmy Fung, uh, Chair Professor at the Department of Mathematics and uh, Division of Environment and Sustainability at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. 
Also joining us now is Professor uh, Jong-un Chu, who's assistant uh, professor at the Department of... Sorry, at the School of Energy and Environment at the City University. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. So, um, uh, Pr Professor Chu, we're looking at the possibility as well going forward of not only increased uh, rainfall and flooding, but also periods of drought. Um, um, how's that going to work? Um... Okay, so uh, the question is how climate change can influence uh, extreme weather such as like floodings and drought at the same time, right? Mm. Uh, so um, actually the individual uh, extreme events have all different stories. They have all different mechanisms. For example, the, uh, the floodings on September 7th was, the, uh, was made by two, typhoon, two consecutive typhoons and they made a convergence of the air over the Hong Kong. And then the, the one in October was by the uh, very slow-moving typhoons and also uh, influenced by upper-level cold air. So they have whole different stories, but um, in the future, if global temperature warms, um, there's a simple um, theories that explains how uh, floodings and drought can, in, uh, can be intensified in the future. Uh, that is called Clausius-Clapeyron relationships, uh, which means that if the temperature increases by one degree Celsius, the atmosphere can hold 7% more water. Uh, so they have more water holding capacity. So uh, simply imagine that uh, if you have two rooms with a different temperature, one hotter room, one colder room, and if you spill the water, same amount of water, the, the water in the hotter room will be evaporated easily, right? So that's the water holding capacity. Uh, but this effect actually influenced differently uh, over the ocean and over the land. Uh, for example, over the, over the ocean, they have abundant water uh, on the surface, so it's easily evaporated. But if that is, happens on, uh, on, the, on the land, uh, there's not many uh, water, there's not many water uh, soil moistures over the land. So uh, the, the atmosphere becomes more thirsty. Uh, we, uh, scientifically, we call it water uh, demand, atmospheric water demand. So they dry out the surface, and then that's why the soil becomes drier, and then they, uh, it can influence the more prolonged period of drought. So uh, because atmosphere have holding more moistures, if there is a triggering mechanism such as uh, overt motion, they can have flooding events. But at the same time, they can also have drought events due to the soil moisture. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, um, you know, with your expert knowledge, what, um, you know, what does um, the extreme weather look like in Hong Kong? Do we have more extreme weather events or do we have... Um, typhoons and black rain as normal and suddenly we have a huge event that we won't we have never expected right um so in terms of the typhoons uh, the climate models predict that in the future there will be less number of tropical cyclones less number uh, but once it occurs it can have a higher intensity and heavier precipitation which means that there will be uh, less approaching Hong Kong, uh, less approaching typhoons in the future. But once it occurs, it will have uh, serious floodings. Uh, that is the expectations uh, and then uh, future predictions about the uh, typhoons. But because 
uh, atmosphere water holding capacity, the floodings over the Hong Kong can be also as large. And then, uh, as Professor Jimmy Fong also mentioned, the we also have urban island effect that actually influence um, more cloud uh, over the Hong Kong. So, uh, and then Hong Kong is located in the coastline, so there are more. <laughs> Uh, whole um, vulnerability about the uh, extreme weather event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, Professor Fong. So, um, thinking about the you know, possibility of a or the probability of um, much more rain and periods of very heavy rain. Um, are you confident that our drainage system will be able to cope? I mean, the, the government's spending uh, $8 billion on uh, drainage improvement works uh, in areas like uh, Wong Tai Sin, which was badly affected earlier this year, uh, uh, Hong Kong Island East, and so on. I mean, are, are we going to be equipped for uh, you know this amount of increased rainfall? Uh- well, I believe the drainage uh, uh, department must have already calculated. Okay, with this improvement, what kind of uh, rainfall intensity they can hold? Mm-hmm. Now, with mm-hmm. the latest uh, record-breaking result, I'm I am sure. I hope, or at least I hope, the Hong Kong government will update their. Those ones have not yet been built. They probably will upgrade even more to be able to uh, hold. Uh, more water during this uh, extreme uh, event. Uh, maybe I would also like to comment about Professor Chu's uh, comment earlier about the intensity of the typhoon, not only bringing into more sort of sort of rain. At the same time, I think the other thing we need to concern is we call storm surge, uh, which is bringing a lot of sort of sort of the sea level rise together with the high tide, we cause a lot of flooding, uh, not by the, the rainfall, by the seawater. Because as the, uh, the intens- intensity of the, the typhoon increase, that, mean, that means the typhoon high temperature, but the pressure is lower, sucking the water in the, in the, uh, in the typhoon eye would be like a, like a sucking session, sucking the lift up the uh, ocean water into a higher level and bring this uh, huge amount of uh, uh, seawater uh, hitting our coastal line. Mm. So if you look at the uh, the uh, XKO record, I, I've been told uh, during a uh, typo area, at one point it was six meters of uh, uh, sea level, uh, uh, six meters of uh, of uh, 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 a rainstorm, sort of, sort of flooding into mm-hmm. typhoon area. So I think this is another thing uh, we are really con- concerning is a storm surge mm-hmm. during uh, extreme intensity of typhoon. Right. Uh- now, you know, with uh, extreme weather coming and the normalization of extreme weather, um, you know, what could um, uh, people like us, uh, citizens of Hong Kong can do? I, I have read uh, a lot about, um, you know, other countries preparing their citizens, um, you know, in sort of like disaster preparedness training and um, you're thinking about um, how to prepare themselves for extreme weather conditions. So the Japanese school 
school kids, they understand, you know, what to do when an earthquake strikes. Uh, of course, we're not talking about earthquakes in Hong Kong. We're talking about um, probably more typhoons uh, and more heavy, heavy rainstorms. What should we do? How should we prepare ourselves? Perhaps um, Professor Chu, you first, Jung and Chu. Um, yeah, the, um, the most important thing is just listening to the uh, Hong Kong Observatory uh, weather forecast and then try not to go outside during the extreme weather event if there is a, a warning. But sometimes, um, as, as previously mentioned, it is really difficult to uh, predict the extreme weather event, extreme flooding events, and then it can be very short time, but once they, uh, once they hear, then they have to evacuate themselves. Um, that's the citizen, what citizen can do, but also in the, uh, in the government level, they can, um, intensify, they can strengthen all the facilities. For example, in the Livia's case recently, you know, they, 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 the two dams were collapsed and it, it was built a long time ago. So, um, the people can think about like rebuilding all the, uh, like possible damages and strengthening the infrastructures. Yes. Okay. Uh, um, we, we've heard um, in the news uh, some pretty dire warnings this morning from uh, the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres about um, uh, melting ice in <clears throat> Antarctica and uh, Greenland and the possibility of it uh, of us being trapped in a vicious cycle, I think was the uh, expression he used, um, um, which obviously would have implications for sea level rise. Now, now. Uh, um, Anybody who lives near the coast would have to be uh, concerned about this. Um, um, how vulnerable would Hong Kong be to that uh, phenomenon of, of sea level rise, Professor Chu? Um, sea level, yeah, of course, because we are under the coastline, so um, sea level rise, um, not just like uh, floodings, but also. Uh, as Jim, Professor Jimmy Fong said, uh, it can influence the storm surges because we mm. have, uh, this, Hong Kong is more vulnerable to typhoons. And then if there is a high sea levels, uh, then uh, we can be exposed to the uh, storm surges. That is the big mm. concern, I think. Mm. Okay. And, and, and Professor Chu, the, the, the Drainage Services Department is currently working on a, a planning study on flood management against sea level rise and extreme mm -hmm. rainfall. What, what, what would you expect to see in that? Um, actually, if you, if you consider the number of flooding events compared, compared to previous Hong Kong and now, uh, after the implementation of all the drainage system, the, the actual damage has been de reduced. So uh, I'm glad to hear about their uh, mm. active, um, active working on this, uh, these issues, and I'm pretty sure that uh, there will be much less, and then uh, the infrastructure will be safe, mm. will be more safe than, than before. And, and, and Professor Fong, what what measures yeah. would you expect uh, to be taken to uh, to mitigate against uh, this uh, possibility? Well, I probably agree with uh, Professor Chu. In fact. The, Hong, the current Hong Kong infrastructure is actually, uh, although it's not perfect, but it's already quite good compared with a lot of advanced cities. If you look at our extreme rainfall in September, uh, in September 8th, you know, within 24 hours, Hong Kong is virtually back to normal, everything, except from one MTR station. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I think Hong Kong is prepared. 
but I think we can do better. So with the with the awareness of the citizens uh, 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 working together with the government, and uh, we hope uh, we can protect, as you pointed out, the most vulnerable group of the people during this uh, extreme weather event. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both uh, very much for joining us uh, on this morning's programme. That was Professor Jimmy Fong, uh, Chair Professor of the Department of Mathematics and uh, Division of Environment and Sustainability at uh, HKUST. And thank you to Professor uh, Jong-un Chu, who's Assistant Professor at the School of Energy and Environment at the City University of Hong Kong. Five years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the 95th anniversary of RTHK and many wishes for its future success. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last part of this morning's programme, we're turning our attention to a different uh, topic, and that is the the appearance of a number of uh, fake social media accounts uh, which have been posing as uh, travel agencies and offering uh, fraudulent uh, deals online. Um, the latest uh, advice uh, to people is to uh, to check with their travel agency to verify before they uh, pay for such uh, offers. Um, to hear more about this, we're joined on the line by Fanny Young, Executive Director of the Travel Industry Council, and also joining us is uh, Francis Fong, Honorary President of the Hong Kong Information Technology Federation. Um, um, Fanny Young, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so uh, this sort of first um, arose uh, focusing on one particular uh, travel agency, EGL Tours, uh, which is uh, popular with people booking trips to Japan and so on. But but uh, but there are a number of other agencies uh, uh, um, have also been. Um, uh, involved in this problem, haven't they? So, what, what, what's the current situation? Yes. Well, uh, actually, since the um, I think um, July of this year, we well, frankly speaking, from time to time, we also receive this kind of uh, a fake social media. Uh, uh, I mean, reporting from our agents. Since a year ago, we we started to have agency reported about that. Then, uh, of course, after that, we um, I mean, the publicity, whatever things make it. Uh, I mean, aware to to the um, consumer, then it died down a bit. And then uh, in July this year, and then it start to come back again. So uh, I think right now, since um, in July, since uh, since July until now, we have around maybe four or five agencies that they also uh, have the similar, uh, I, I mean, fraudulent views that uh, uh, make it out from the fake social media and then using their their Facebook page. Mm. So, um, so it is basically a Facebook advertisement, right? Um, right. Telling people that uh, they can get extremely cheap tickets, 
And uh, yes. I, I saw a, a story that uh, you can get business class tickets to Tokyo for six thousand five hundred. Now, now, surely this this sounds very fake, but people still go for it. Um, yes. Why 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 do you think it's like that? I I, I think first of all is it because it, it I mean most of this uh, I mean very very cheap offer is it's also time limited. So I mean people is just trying to uh, I mean just afraid if they they I mean take too long time and then I mean this deal will no longer be valid. So so I think this is also the uh, I mean the tricks that used by the uh, uh, I mean those uh, scammer. Okay, uh, uh, Francis Fong, good morning to you. Morning, Jim. Honorary President of the Hong Kong Information Technology Federation. Um, um, how easy is it for, for scammers to uh, operate uh, like this? Uh, I mean, um, um, genuine websites uh, would normally expect to have a, um, a, a, blue, a blue Facebook verification badge, the blue tick, wouldn't they? I, I, but, uh, I am actually the one who uh, witnessed the, the thing because I, mm. when I'm browsing on uh, Facebook uh, last week, I actually saw that EGL page offering that kind of uh, a very special offer like 6500 for two tickets round trip to Japan. Mm. Uh, so uh, then I tried to talk to the, uh, uh, face, uh, the, the, the page administrator uh, using the messenger, and he is actually very uh, um, kind and tell me a lot of things and ask me, oh, so you give me the name, so I try to book you and then uh, send me an account so that I can bank in. It's pretty easy to just uh, to make a fan page of ourselves without the boutique verification. And when I look at the fan page, actually they got like 30,000 likes and 100,000 followers on that page. It makes it very real, even mm -hmm. though it doesn't have a uh, blue tick. So uh, I think uh, citizens should be very careful, even if you saw pages like that, which looks very real, but it could be fake. And even sometimes that you saw, there is a blue tick on the page, talked about a lot of things and asked you to buy this or buy that. You have to be very careful because I also uh, encountered some cases that I asked. Some famous people, they have like 100,000 followers. They also got the page got hacked by hackers and being used to do some other things. So you have to be very careful. So uh, what should we do? Uh, we shouldn't buy online, Francis Fong, or we, sh well, we should continue to buy things online, including air tickets. How, uh, how, how do we differentiate? Uh, what is um, the smarter way to do it? I think they, uh, most of the uh, scam actually uh, happens, and the victims are uh, uh, caused because of greed. I mean, so when, when you look at all these very, very special offers, you have to be very, very careful. I think the best thing is you have to look for more information. For example, you have to call the agent uh, or you have to even visit the uh, travel agents uh, so that you can make sure that the offer is a real one, uh, even though it's just a very small shop. I have a time that I want to buy some supplement, which is, uh, looks very, very good price, but it's actually in Fanning. So I actually drive myself and go to Fanning and ask if there is such an offer. If this is real, then I buy it, and the next time I go buy online. I think you have to verify whether this is a real offer with a real shop. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, Fanny Young, um, um, yeah. what, what, what would you say? I mean, apart from the offers being too good to be true, I mean, how, how else can, how else can <laughs> well, customers protect uh, themselves against uh, scams? Yes, yeah. well, actually, we, uh, we published to uh, all our travel agents members around two weeks ago after we received this kind of uh, uh, reporting. So um, 
basically we we uh, share with our travel agents uh, members that they have to educate their uh, I mean the end consumer via different uh, different kind of uh, media platform. So uh, I think. Um, of course, uh, verify with the agencies is one of the, um, I mean, one of the way. But uh, frankly speaking, I mean, today's technology, people start to buy online. We cannot stop because of this scammer and then ask them not to buy online. So uh, I think a few uh, key points that we, we really, uh, I mean, uh, want to share with the consumer is when they go to whatever kind of, uh, I mean, social media site or Facebook ad, uh, first of all, you have to look at the contact, the contact of that particular travel agent. I mean, all the travel agents, they won't use a generic email address with a uh, generic domain, for example, Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, all this kind. They will have their, uh, I mean, domain name, for example, EGL Tours, whatever thing. So check on the email address. That is the first thing. The second thing is that uh, never pay on, uh, I mean, if they give you a QR code or whatever thing via Messenger. That is definitely not our travel agents who are doing. They will have to go through a kind of payment gateway. So, so that is the second thing. The third thing is that if they have some kind of, um, uh, I mean, bank account number, then share with you and ask you to, to bank it in, into the bank account. Make sure the bank account, that is the uh, travel agent name bank account is it's not a personal bank account because when when we uh when we look at those a uh, few uh fraud i mean those fraudulent cases happened before i mean those email addresses is just a generic one and and also the the account number bank account number is attached to a personal bank account number so i think that is a few i mean very rather obvious i, I should say obvious uh things that we can differentiate if there's any matter so if in case all these things get happened just make a call to the travel agents to ensure that, I mean, these uh, offer, this deal is uh, a really a valid one. So that is the advice from, from the council. Mm. Uh, when you mention payment gateways, um, do you mean that, you know, they need to do a, like a two-time verification? Or yes, something? exactly, exactly. Exactly, because normally in our, in, I mean, in our travel agent website, they will have a booking, what, what we call a booking engine. So they have a booking flow and then you can, you can book for your flight, book for whatever things. Then after it is successful, you will lead you to a payment, payment gateway, payment platform. And then you key in your credit card number and then they have certain verification. So, so that sort of thing. So, so I mean, that is the more, um, I mean, a real one. Otherwise, I mean, simply ask you to bank in the number, bank in into the account. That that may not be, uh, I mean, a a general kind of uh, uh, a way that we we ask our our consumer to pay. Right, um, but uh, for younger customers in particular, they are quite used to booking online. You know that there are various very big platforms. Uh, and uh, they do offer cheap and uh, time-limited um, uh, tickets. Yes. So um, how, how safe are those? And uh, have you ever heard of uh, complaints and uh, cases uh, that involve uh, the bigger platforms? Uh, for the bigger platform, I think uh, not um, I, so far. The reporting, I didn't receive any yet. But again, uh, it doesn't mean that it won't happen. <laughs> that was what I, uh, I, I could advise. So, so again, I think those uh, few tips that I shared just now, it is also applicable across the board for all kinds of platforms. Uh, and, and Francis Fong, of course, you, you would go along with that, yes? Uh, I mean, be very careful about payment options and bank account names and that kind of thing? 
Uh, actually, there are two things I want to uh, make uh, additional comments. Yeah. Uh, number one, the domain name also can be fake. So we have to verify exactly that this, for example, is EGLTours.com, but not EGLTourHongKong.com, for example, mm-hmm. because domain name can be fake. Number two, even you go onto an online payment platform, it, uh, the scammer, these they are very clever. They can redirect you to a, a phishing site. So you may go to a uh, platform and ask you to pay for even just like $10. And at the end of the day, you're going to pay for 5000 US dollar. And they also even ask you to uh, surrender your uh, one-time password. So once you give out your one-time password, actually, it, 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 it is becoming you are liable for that payment because the bank will think that you gave the OTP to the whatever, uh, even the real uh, website, the real merchant, or the scammer. So once you do that, you you you, you will be liable for that transaction. So uh, even you go to the online payment ga- gateway, you have to be very careful because the uh, finishing site these days uh, problem is very very serious. And and what can we do about that? <laughs> you know, how, how can we protect ourselves? Uh, Again, so when you go for payment, you actually have to go back to the real website and verify uh, about uh, the, the domain, as I said. And if you are asking to do payment, so that, let's go back to the very beginning. You have to verify the merchant first, because if you doesn't verify the merchant and you go to pay for whoever merchant it is because of the special deal, uh, it will be, end up becoming a scam. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's very often right now these days. Mm. Right, but when something you know has a good price and it is at the top of the SEO of the Google search, uh, uh, should we be you know feel more comfortable with that or not? I I take an example about the uh, latest scamming technology from uh, web, web web WhatsApp. When people search on web WhatsApp, you will saw the first three paid advertisement about web WhatsApp. When you use the your WhatsApp to scan the QR code, you end up close to the real web WhatsApp, but you are intercepted by the hackers so that your WhatsApp is being hacked. So this is one of the examples that even you saw that ranking on the first three because of the uh, pay advertisement. It doesn't mean that it's real. So we have to be very, very careful. Okay. Uh, and and uh, just a, a, a final uh, quick word from uh, Fanny Young. Uh, um, I understand that you're going to be uh, discussing this matter with the police and also uh, Meta, which is the owner of Facebook. Right. Uh, well, actually, we are going to write to Meta uh, to, to, to address the thing, to ask them to address the thing. So, of course, I don't know what kind of advice they could share. But uh, that is what we are going to write. And then it is true that we are going to meet with the police to, uh, together with Jalatko, Mr. Perry Yu, uh, so, and, and also a few of the uh, agency, travel agency, which they involve in this, um, uh, I mean, this kind of uh, scammer thing. Okay. So, uh, okay. yeah, so to see what kind of other advice that we could, we could, we could sort from them. Okay. Let's hope uh, the, the, the problem gets uh, sorted. Thanks very much for speaking to us uh, on this morning's programme. Uh, Fanny Young, Executive Director of the Travel Industry Council, and thanks to Francis Fong, Honorary President of the Hong Kong Information Technology Federation. Uh, thanks very much to you, Ada. Thank you, Jim. And uh, to our producer, Carol.